The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour With your hosts Joe Bob Ah, you're awful And A.J. Appleton Sin Shu Chu Mouthful All right, all right. Welcome back to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net and writer of so-called fantasy experts. On the line is co-host AJ Applegarth. What's up, man? Yeah, dude. You there? Yeah. You are breaking up big time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Sure, you'll get it figured out here. But uh, so tonight's show, we're gonna be covering some of the MLB amateur draft. For those of you in dynasty baseball leagues, this is um, really important for you. I'm sure your amateur drafts are coming up in the next few weeks once this is done. And I think I don't know when the international draft is, but that usually happens relatively after the uh, soon after this, um, but it's usually really important for for the people in those leagues. You and me are in both of, both in dynasty leagues, so we we know how that is. But um, first, we are going to talk about the mock. Fantasy six-pack mock draft that we did. It was a slow mock draft, uh, so it, it did take a couple of weeks to get done. Uh, it wasn't too bad, actually. Um, it, I've seen some go way longer than this. Uh, but it was it was good. Um, it was PPR format. And so oh, he just dropped off, so I guess he's calling back in here. Uh, he's having technical difficulties. He's got to get his router fixed at home. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so we had the the mock draft uh, starting a couple weeks ago, and we were going to go into some analysis of it. You back? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like you're on your phone now. No, I'm on my microphone. Oh, okay. Or is that that's, uh, that what you meant? <laughs> No, no, I thought you might, it sounded like crackly, but I guess it's okay. Uh, anyway, so we were going to start digging into this mock draft here. Um, so <laughs> he wrote mock, slow mock draft. You're so impatient. It's a mock draft, dude. It's a slow mock draft. Who cares? Um, it lasted like two weeks. Eh, whatever. Um, so yeah, so initial thoughts. Um, mine are is, is this, and it's that it's absolutely going to be true now that running backs are going to fly off the board a lot earlier than in years past, um, at least in the last recent years past. Um, you know, I feel like last year, like people were just straight up ignoring running backs. There was some value to be had with running backs last year, a lot. And 
This year, I don't think it's going to be the case. Uh, we saw – I'm actually trying to pull up last year. I guess I can't get to it. I was hoping to pull up last year's ESPN mock draft, which basically has all the same people in it. Um, oh, draft recap. Here we go. So, you know, I'm counting in the first round here, you know, one, two, three, four, four running backs in the first round in last year's PPR draft. In this draft, we had one, two, three go in the first three picks. I mean, that's a total game changer right there. We had six running backs go in the first round. Uh, so, I mean, not a huge difference, but it is a difference. Uh, so you're seeing these running backs go off the board. Um, you know, we saw another, you know, one, two, three, four, five go off in the next round. So 11 running backs in the first two rounds, which isn't the case in the, since for the last couple of years. That's the biggest thing that I take away from this is that you're going to need to adjust to the running backs going off the board. I think we saw last year running backs, I just kind of don't think the zero running back theory is, is legitimate anymore. And I never really bought into it fully, but I kind of half bought into it where I would take like one good running back and then wait. I just don't think you can do that. It's too risky to get these guys, you know, to rely on a bunch of, you know, roll of the dice guys. I mean, when you're not picking a running back to like round seven or eight, you're taking all backups and there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it and you just are praying that there's early season injuries um one of the guys that you drafted ends up just working out you know that's that's a lot like i feel like there's a lot more receivers that pan out and can be valuable later in the in the later rounds than than running backs I mean, so i don't know but it, it was something i i definitely noticed um what what what's your uh your first thoughts on on this draft yeah i mean obviously i thought that it was slow <laughs> um <laughs> i down. uh yeah i if we do it again, we need to instill a time limit. I just feel like it's better. Well, this early out, maybe not, but at some point, I mean, and and I was the culprit, the first one that let it slip for 12 some hours, but shut it off during the nighttime and then let it click off like a four hour, five hour timeline, something like that. But anyway, does it, um, does it really matter though? I mean, obviously, uh, I don't know. Anyway, not necessarily, but I mean, what are you in a hurry way, for? So, That's what I always tell people in, in slow drafts. Like, what are you in a hurry for? A lot of times these slow drafts happen way before the season start. Like, what are you in a hurry for? To get your team and stare at it? Yeah. <laughs> and this exactly is even worse. It. This is a mock draft. This doesn't even count. We're not even keeping these teams. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should do a league where we just have it as a, a fantasy six-pack, just fun league and put all these guys on and just not do any ads or drops and see whose team wins. I think we should do that. But anyway. Um, well, yeah, this is I, set I thought, up as a draft-only league, so we could keep it. Yeah, I I mean, I'm for it. Um, 
Okay. But no, I thought it. I thought it was good. I thought, um, you know, I, I having the first pick, I knew I was going with Johnson, um, just because I've I owned him in I think every league that I was in last year. So, you know, he was obviously a monster, even with you know Carson Palmer not being as good as he had been in the past. Um, you know, I. I I knew that it was going to be him, Bell, and Elliott going early, Jones and Brown. I mean, Mm -hmm. the first round to me was pretty on par aside from Melvin Gordon, I thought was, was an interesting pick with Richard and uh, Gurley. No, no, I'm, I'm okay with the Gordon pick. The one that got me was Todd Gurley. I yeah. was really shocked with Todd Gurley in the first round. With how disappointing he was last year, I thought people were just going to avoid him like the plague in the first round. But uh, I'm, Michael I'm went surprised. Ahead and took yeah, him. I, I, I like it. I think it's a bold pick, and you know, especially for something that doesn't matter, you know, whatever. But it matters for the fact that you know, we're looking at it and it's, it's going to be an interesting take on who's really looking at what, um, you know, and Gordon, Gordon had a great season. So I, not that I'm like doubting he's first round talent, but I just don't know. I would have maybe looked at McCoy, um, you know, or, or, uh, you know, Hopkins on a bounce back in the second round. I can, I can agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt like it was pretty, pretty good. Having the turn pick was kind of interesting for me to try to gauge the runs. Like, as far as, okay, well, now all of these running backs went early, which, like you said, we aren't really used to seeing. Um, right. So I knew, you know, okay, typically I would be like, okay, well, I have David Johnson. I could wait you know, three rounds before I go after another running back if I really wanted to, but um, I I didn't. You know, I, I had to get a second back, and and I really like Marshawn Lynch this year. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna surprise some people. But it's interesting. I mean, overall, it was, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I think you're gonna be one of the people he surprises. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. I have him on one of my teams. It's my dynasty league. And I snatched uh-huh. him up in March, like two weeks before he signed with the Raiders. Cause I was like, whatever, I'll take Lynch. And yep. I'm dropping some clown who I know isn't going to be worth anything this year. And then he signs with the Raiders and I just got a freebie, you know, running back. Wow. I'm not going to say running back one for fantasy purposes, but I got a running, like a number one running back for that team. <laughs> like it was a no brainer there, but like, uh, well, yeah, we'll talk about it later, but the one thing I also want to point out here is if you are using my fantasy league, which is a site that we used, um, be very careful just following their ADP. It's very odd. Um, and I, my only thinking behind their, mishmash of players that seem to be like quarterbacks are like really ranked really, really high on theirs. Um, after a yeah. while, like your draft board is nothing but quarterbacks and you're like, what in the hell? Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of annoying too. The rookies are really, really high too. 
And I think the reason for this is because they do the MFL 10s and 25s, and those are draft-only leagues. And so it is best ball. So people take risk in those leagues a little more than they would in a standard fantasy league. So in my opinion, MFL needs to have like a standard ADP for, you know, standard leagues and PPR leagues. And then they need to have an ADP for like MFL tens. They need to separate the two from their ADP rankings because they're not the same style. You complete, you draft completely different. So and I, the only reason why I was able to find some of the value I did is because I did a, a mock draft with so-called fantasy experts like two weeks before ours, and I noticed it during that draft. I was like, wait a minute. There are people missing from this. And I started going back to my rankings instead and being like, oh, I need to take this guy. And it was amazing how far I had to scroll down to find some of the players. And honestly – our next topic here, best value pick. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right back to one of my own here, and I, I'll, I have the second one because I don't want to just pat myself on the back. But Danny Woodhead, I mean, I got him in like the eighth round or something like that, and I feel like I got him even later. I got him in the seventh round, but I you know I had the turn, so seven eight. Um, but Danny Woodhead's gonna be the main running back in 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 uh, Baltimore this year. He's going to be, he's going to be good there. Um, And to get him in the seventh round, that seems just crazy that he falls that far, but he, you have to like scroll down the draft list in MFL to find him. Even in round seven, you have to scroll down the list to find him. And it's, that's not right. Like his ADP is not that low. Like I, I think I have him ranked a little higher than most people, but his ADP isn't that low on all the other sites, but it is on my, my fantasy league. So that's just something you really need to pay attention to if you draft on that site. Um, so my, the other guy I, I had listed down here was, was Matt Ryan. And like, I'm not a, a giant Matt Ryan fan, but he went in round nine. And just to say, like some of the quarterbacks that went ahead of him, like Dak Prescott, eh, Mariota, who I actually took in front of Matt Ryan, um, but that was just more like I don't even know if I saw Matt Ryan on the list or if I was paying attention. I don't know. I feel like I probably would have taken Matt Ryan over Mariota, but I took Mariota instead, and that's probably my fault. Um, but Carr went first. I mean, Matt Ryan was QB number eleven taken. That's crazy. He no, he was Q- the number. He's QB eleven ranked. No, 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 no. That, he was that, the 11th QB yes, taken. Well, he very well may have still been the 11th one taken, but that number next to them is the MFL rank. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's the number that they are. That's the... That's the then why that's, is... Unless oh, they're oh, all... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was yeah. looking at eight. No, 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 you're right. I was looking yeah, at he the was eighth the 11th round, but I had the last pick. back taken. He's yeah, that's, what, number one that's or number certain. two, depending on your scoring in for quarterbacks last year. Look, I don't think anybody thinks he's going to do what he did last year. I mean, it was like 38 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Those are both career highs by a pretty big margin. He's always double-digit interceptions. He's always in the 20s for touchdowns. You know, maybe, you know, look, the offense is stacked. I mean, the offense is all back this year. Yeah, they lose Shanahan, 
but they're not gonna they're not gonna plummet off the face of the earth like a lot of people think just because Shanahan's gone. The the new offensive coordinator, I'm blanking on his name right now, has already come out and said they're pretty much gonna run the exact same system. So like not much. Really yeah, why change. would you change it that much? I, I mean, mean, it's right? like, hey, I would... it worked really well. We got to the Super Bowl. Let's let's stick with this. I mean, that's that's the thing that kills me a lot of times with these coaching changes. You know, these players have to adapt and learn an entire new system a lot of the time. Not every time, but most of the time. I mean, you look at uh, Jason Campbell at Auburn in college. He had a different either offensive coordinator or head coach every year he was in college. And he had a great college career still. Um, and then he, he followed suit when he came to Washington and had the same thing there for a couple of years. So, I mean, why, why, why change what's not broken? Um, I mean, Matt Ryan looks like he was second in our league behind Rodgers. So, yeah, it's pretty that's crazy. Pretty I mean, I I just I don't know why he fell so far in the in the mock draft. I kind of wasn't really paying attention to it until I looked. But that's a that's a huge value pick right there. I feel like. Anyway, who who yeah. you got? Um, I'll be pretty quick with mine. I mean, I. The first one is kind of an interesting pick just because he's been in the news. I'm going with Jeremy Macklin in the 10th round. Um, he was a free agent I mean, during the draft. You can't say that one. I, <laughs> Come on. No, he wasn't. He was When he was picked, he was still on um, KC. Well, okay. So his – yeah, so his but, value is totally different now. I feel like that's – whatever. 51st receiver taken. You know, he wasn't in a great situation in Kansas City because Alex Smith isn't a great quarterback. Um, But now he's coming here to Baltimore. You know, he's got two good targets around him in Wallace and Perryman, assuming both of them stay healthy. He's got Woodhead coming out of the backfield and potentially being a a lead back. As you're saying, they still have Terrence West. So I think they're going to have a really good offense this year. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you're breaking up again, but uh, he's good. What's that? You're breaking up again a little bit. Okay, well, um, that's that's one of them, and then my other one was uh, looking at Big Ben in the eleventh round. Um. He was the 14th quarterback. 14th quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty surprising to me with, with the weapons they have there. Yeah, but Ben, ben man, you know, he's going to miss like three, four games every year. It just happens. Um, or like he's going to get knocked out during the game. It just He's such a yeah. risky quarterback to have. He's hard to rely on. So, I get that. Uh, so my reach pick or my overvalued pick, your boy, Marshawn Lynch. Look, man, you took him in the third round. I don't mind having him this year, but where you took him, you took him in front of guys who I like a lot more. Um, all the rookies, dude, all the main three rookies, 
Fournette, Mixon, and McCaffrey. Big time. I like them more. You know, I, I've got Lynch is like a fourth, fifth round type running back. You know, I've got him right there with like the Isaiah Crowells and the and those types of guys. I just can't buy in on a guy who what he's thirty one, I think. He didn't play last year because he just didn't want to. I mean, I don't know. The Raiders yeah, are but good, but at- I mean Murray, yeah, look, they got the other two guys last year who great quarterback. dug into Latavius Murray's role, and it hurt him. I mean, yeah, Murray, if he didn't get all the touchdowns he did, he would have been terrible. Um, yeah, he's tough to own because of the timeshare that was there, but I, I'm sorry, I don't think problem. Latavius Murray is as good of a runner as Marshawn Lynch is. Marshawn Lynch is a power back. He can handle all three downs. Hell, he could handle all four downs if you wanted him in on special teams. But, I mean, the guy's a monster. He took a year off, and now he's going home to play. I mean, it's a great situation for him. Um, Yeah, I get that he's another year older, but, I mean, look at Ricky Williams, and when he came back after being off – I mean, he was fairly good. I mean, he 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 was productive running back. Um, I think he may have even been better than when he was in the first the first uh, stint. But I like Lynch a lot. I don't. I'm not putting a bunch of stock into a bunch of rookies. I mean, you look at the teams that they're playing on. Carolina is up for a bounce back. Um, Carolina ranked rush for the seventh most rushing yards last year. And Doofus Jonathan yeah, Stewart had like a 3.5 is... yards per carry. So you how give, much of that you was, give a guy like McCaffrey. Probably a bunch of it. But at the same time, McCaffrey can easily pass uh, what is Jonathan Stewart's Stewart. yards per carry last year. And he's going to catch passes out of the backfield, which Stewart is not great at. So – I'm I'm easily taking McCaffrey over him. Like I'm starting to buy into McCaffrey more and more the, the more I look at that situation. I didn't like it at first, but uh, I think he's going to be better. I think Mixon is going to easily run away with the Cincinnati job. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is already looking like he's hurt and he's going to miss time. Uh, Hill, they just want nothing to do with Hill, you can tell. Mixon's taking that job. And Fournette, like, yeah, Fournette's in Jacksonville. The situation's not good. But – I don't know. Fournette seems like a special talent and he can get stuff done. And there were games last year where the Jacksonville running backs had good games. I mean, like it's not impossible and they don't have good running backs uh-huh. there. So like, it's, yeah, they don't. And Fournette is a solid running back out of college. Um, you know, but I, I just don't, I try not to buy into rookies too much. I mean, these guys, like you said, they were just flying off the board super early in this mock draft. And, you know, if they pan out, great. McCaffrey is not an every down back. I mean, he he's going to be literally a half back. He's going to be rushing part of the time, and he's going to be more valuable in, in PPR. So that's it. Which we, but anyway. we were doing a PPR draft. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that, but... 
I'm saying his value alone is is more in the passing game, not as as a running back. We'll see. But whatever, we can move on. So who you got for your value pick or for your uh, reach pick? <sighs> reach pick. Um. I'm I'm gonna go, and it might not seem like much of a reach, but I'm going to look at uh, Martavis Bryant here in the the sixth round. I mean, he was the 34th receiver off the board, so that's kind of, I guess, where maybe he should be, but I just feel like he might have been there a little, like another round or two later. Um, He's another guy coming off of a year off, because of a suspension. So who knows? I mean, we've seen it with Josh Gordon for what, the last three years, Um, Mm -hmm. how valuable he's going to be for a team who drafts him. And then he doesn't play, Uh, you know, Bryant missed time the year before with, with issues and suspension. So, I mean, if he pans out great, but I think there's a lot of mouths to feed in Pittsburgh. I wouldn't have been looking for him that early personally. All right. Um, so you proposed the question up here. You said depth versus backup quarterback or tight end. And um, so, you know, the just to pose the question differently, do you take a backup tight end or a quarterback or both as opposed to filling out your bench with backup running backs and receivers? Correct. My so my answer to this is I never ever take a backup tight end. Never. Um, I don't care. I'm only taking one. I'll figure it out later on that bye week. Um, your backup quarterback. To me, it depends on who you drafted, and I'm going to call you out here because you took one of those quarterbacks that I would have never ever taken a backup with. You took Tom Brady. Tom Brady, yep. Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, those are the three guys. Hands down, I do not take a backup quarterback with. Um, and you took – who did you take? You took Wentz in like round yeah. – I mean, it was round 14. Yeah, there's not a lot there. Yeah. You're, the you're last pick me, of round 14, mind you. Yeah, but you're, you're telling me you're not going to at least take a chance on somebody like Tavon Austin or, you know, like I liked Keenan's round four, 15 pick, James Conner, um, you know, the backup running back for Pittsburgh now. Like we always know Bell yeah. misses games. That's a good pick. Um, no, that is a good pick. I, I was looking picks. for what's-his-face, but – D. Willie, but I, I didn't know where he went. So, you know, but it's or he's not like, like, look, I took Tyrod Taylor in the 14th round at the end of the 14th round because my first quarterback no. is Mariota. Look, I like Mariota and I think he has a breakout season, but I, su- I also think he's going to run into some, you know, there's a, there, there's a risk with him. So having somebody at the likes of Tyrod, who 
we all know is very capable of putting up quarterback one numbers every week. That's, that's, that's a good bet for me. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I'm never taking, I'm never taking a second quarterback when I got somebody like Brady on my team. This is not worth it to me. Well, yeah. And, and really what I was looking at at that spot was if for some reason Brady goes down, which I don't think that he will, um, you know, we've had the suspensions and lost games in the past, so you can get by with somebody else. But this was the point where I was like, do I take a backup quarterback or a backup tight end? And I also have Greg Olson. So to me, he's a guy that you don't ever need a backup tight end unless, you know, you randomly play in a league that has like a receiver tight end flex that you could throw a guy in there. You know, you can look at that differently, but those are few and far between, I feel like. Um, but I, I just looking at the board and seeing who who took, you know, these types of backups and stuff. Um, let me see who's the one I was looking at. Like Kobe Fleener, Alex's team, he's got Kobe Fleener and O.J. Howard as his tight ends. And, and I like Howard as an upside pick. Fleener, we thought he was going to be – you know, the next coming of Jimmy Graham with Breeze, and he really wasn't. So you don't really know what you're getting out of him. Um, but then you've got Tyler, who took Eric Ebron as his only tight end. And Ebron I'm can okay be good, with that. but, I, I mean, I he's Ertz, too inconsistent. I mean, so, well, Ertz is good. I mean, he gets the ball. Very and, inconsistent, and, though. Eh. Yeah, I think Ebron's more inconsistent <laughs> than Ertz is. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I took Ertz before Ebron, way before Ebron. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then, then you got to look at um, uh, Keenan's team. I mean, he went out and picked Jordan Reed, and Jordan Reed is his only tight end. So yeah, we all know Jordan Reed is a stud when he's healthy, but we also all know that Jordan Reed is not ever healthy. So. That's that's a play where I probably would have looked at instead of all of I these running backs. Having a backup, yeah. having a backup tight end on my team is not worth giving up the chance of finding gold late in in the late rounds of your draft. The backup tight end that you're going to get is not any is not going to be that much better than the junk you're going to find off the waiver wire. And if anything, you can find better tight ends off the waiver wire once the season has started than the crap you're going to draft in the last three rounds to be your backup tight end guarantee you're going to drop your backup tight end and your backup quarterback. When you have somebody like Tom Brady and Jordan Reed. But who are you going to draft? So you're, so you're going to hang on to somebody like Kobe Fleener when he's putting up two points the first three weeks of the season. No, 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 I would drop my backup, but yeah, that's when, that's, That's what I mean. When, so you know, if you have Reed and then you take Fleener as your backup, you're going to hold on to him when he's putting up like nothing the first few weeks of the season. No, so there's eh. no point in taking a backup tight end. That's my point. Yeah, your backup tight right. end is going to give you so little; it doesn't matter. You'll find something doing the exact same thing on the waiver wire, or the week that he gets hurt, or the you know the week that you need a bye week fill in. You just go play matchups and you try and find the best tight end that week, and you live with it. So. Anyway, we um, we are going to be off here to some fantasy baseball talk, and specifically the amateur MLB draft. On the line is Chris Blessing from 
Baseball HQ. Bring him on here. Chris, are you? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. How are you guys doing? Hope we didn't keep you on hold too long there. Good, yeah, man. I was uh, taking some notes <laughs> for my fantasy tight end. Uh, <laughs> I'm very passionate about The big takeaway is don't draft Jordan Reed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we thought we'd bring you on um, and talk about some of the the guys that were drafted just a couple of days ago and specifically, you know, looking at it from a fantasy baseball perspective, you know, like I, for one, have my amateur draft coming up in a few weeks. We just, you know, we wait like maybe two, three weeks after the amateur draft happens and we do our own and we just stash the players at the bottom of our roster for years. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'll fully admit, a lot of times I'm looking at these guys and I'm just I'm just going to MLB.com and just going, all right, I'll take that guy. You know, like I I don't know who these guys. A lot of them are high school players. Like, how do you? you know, so my first question to you is, how do you attack an amateur fantasy baseball draft when there's so many guys, and more so these guys that you haven't heard of? You know, like even you, like you, you know, you like live and breathe this stuff it seems like you scout some of these players but you could never have possibly heard of all of these guys i mean how do you how do you like dig into it and pick the guys that are supposed to be legit well the first thing i do is i kind of cheat i know a lot of people that can uh, can point me in the right directions for people um so you know if I didn't have all those, uh, all the connections I do have, um, the first thing I would do is, uh, I, I call it collaboration. Um, I, I just recently wrote an article in USA Today about, uh, about how to draft the draft. Um, and the first, first step is collaboration. And that's, um, you know, you kind of consider yourself like a general manager. That's what you are as a fantasy owner. And you have all these resources and, in this case, the resources that are at your disposal, it's not pro scout, it's not amateur scout, but it's, it's, it's resources. Um, for, of course, for fantasy, um, fantasy purposes, I'm always going to promote Baseball HQ. I feel like our, our prospect coverage for, uh, with the fantasy tilt is, is, is the best out there. Um, but when you're looking at unknown players, you're, you need to consider sources like Baseball America uh, fan graphs, um, MLB pipeline, uh, baseball prospectus, 2080 sports. You've got all these resources. So then what you go ahead and do is you organize your data. Okay. So like a general manager or, or amateur scouting director will have his guys essentially slot guys in the, where their picks are. So if you have like the fifth pick in the draft, you, you have your, your big board, your top, your top five guys right there. And then if you, let's say it's a 10-team league and you don't pick again until pick number 15, uh, you slot guys for that spot as well. Take all that data, put it together, and then you try to come up with uh, a game plan for your draft. Uh, in in sense, you're, you're, you're essentially creating the draft room 
by using resources that that aren't you know aren't people. So when you're taking, I've always wondered this. So for an amateur draft, especially for baseball, because there's going to be a gluttony of players available all year, you know, every year, guys that don't get drafted in amateur drafts that are going to be available later on that just kind of come out of nowhere and are good. Are you taking just kind of the best available or are you trying to, draft at a weak position that you think you might have in two, three, four years? Well, I don't really look at position because, uh, as you know, prospects are, are what they are. They're prospects. They're not, they're not major league players. And um, I, I go for the best available. Um, I tend to shy away from pitching. Uh, I, I, while I do this for a living and I uh, write about prospects, I do fairly believe what, what Joe Sheehan said years ago, that there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. And it, it, it's true. Um, I've seen guys that, that should be, that look like future major leaguers and something happens. Uh, so I try to target as many position players as I possibly can. Uh, I specifically look at the hit tool. Uh, a thing I was told this year by an amateur scout is if you see a hit tool that's not a future 50, uh, you probably don't need to pick up that guy in the draft. Um, usually there's a reason why he does not have that 50. Now he could have the legs, he could have the power potential, he could have the arm. I mean, he could have a lot of different things. Uh, but without ability to hit the ball, at a, you know, at a decent level or not to be, you know, if you can't project a guy to hit uh, 260, more than likely he's not going to make it. Huh. That's interesting. I never thought about that. And uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. I, I I didn't do it on purpose, but I've, I've only, in the two years I've done an amateur draft, I've only drafted one pitcher. So I guess, I guess I'm doing something right. <laughs> Makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> high upside guy. Uh, who did you pick? Oh man, I couldn't even tell you. It's uh, so we actually took all the amateur players off of our off of our league because fan tracks doesn't let us. Like I don't know, people were like hoarding minor league players that they weren't supposed to, and uh, so we took them off our teams. And I gotta go find like a spreadsheet to find them. I don't know. I took. I always had the. I I won my league the first two years, so like they. Uh, I always had the last pick, and so I, I didn't get very good amateur uh, players. But uh, yeah, it's probably gonna take me a while to, to find the list. It's probably not worth me uh, uh, looking for at this point. But uh, we'll we'll just we'll just move on, and if I find it, we'll we'll run through it. So the draft. Um, I mean, it. The first thing that popped out to me, and that you just heard everywhere, was it's the first time since 1990 that the first that the top three picks were high school players. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, I don't know. I I've never bought into this. Like, you've got to get the youngest guy. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about to, like draft high school players. Like, you would think major league teams would want players that are going to be able to come up soon. Or in the next, you know, at least two three years, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be calling up a bunch of like twenty twenty one year olds at this point, 
You just don't see mm. that very often. You normally, it seems like you normally see guys get called up when they're like 23, 24. And that's kind of when they're like really busting out. Um, it's just me, but it's just kind of what I've noticed. But I, you know, I don't study this like you do. Um, but we, you know, we'll start with the top guy here, Royce Lewis, shortstop from a high school in California. Um, I mean, it was weird because it was a late decision by uh, uh, by. Oh man, I didn't write down the team who drafted him. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, yeah, thank Minnesota. you. But, yeah, yeah, by the Twins to take him. Um, there was talk that they had somebody else in mind, like all week long, all forever it seemed like. And um, you know, I thought it was a weird pick because they, you know. They obviously have a good shortstop on their team. So, I mean, I don't know what they're thinking taking Royce Lewis at this point. I mean, I don't think Lindor is going anywhere anytime soon. So, what – what? Uh, uh, well, you mean the Twins. It's, it's, uh, it's um, Polanco with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. And uh, Nick Gordon. Uh, yeah, you're thinking of Cleveland. Twin, twins have a huge – bucket of shortstops. Like you said, they they got Polanco who yeah. just came up a little bit last year. Um but he can play third as well. Uh and then Gordon they've still got waiting in the wings, so Yeah. Well You're right. I totally we, botched that. Yeah. <laughs> <But> with, <laughs> I don't know with, why with, I just got totally but, mixed up there. But but one of the things that, that you want to also consider is the the best athletes are up the middle. And uh, a Royce Lewis, let's say he doesn't work out at short. Most most scouts believe that he's a center fielder in the future, an outfielder. Uh, he can transition to other positions. You look at a third baseman, um, a, a perfect example was the Missouri State kid, um, who really only has one position if he, if he moves off of that. I, I don't know why I can't think of his name. It's at the tip of my tongue. Um, but um, – I'm looking for his name. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but really and truly, I mean, it's hard to move off a position when you're when third base or first base is your only thing. That's Jake Berger. Uh, he was picked 11th by the White Sox. Uh, so, so with Lewis, the thing that's intriguing about him, he, he was the top uh, prep, uh, prep prospect in the draft. And so um, the, what, what made him special was the collection of tools. And many believed he was either the second or third best hit tool among the prep uh, prep uh, players. Uh, combine that with potential to hit to hit home runs. I mean, he's still very young. Uh, he, a lot of different intangibles as well. Uh, he, from a scout that I did talk to, he said that he graded him out, um, you know, makeup wise, fairly high, and and thought that he could. He could be a team leader um, fairly quickly within his uh, professional major league career. Uh, so a lot of things went into that. Um, just so you kind of understand that the, the first five picks of the draft were the, the the top five guys in this draft, and there was not much separation. And in other years, uh, I don't know if any of them, but maybe maybe Hunter Green uh, would have been the top top guy in another year. Um, so you had a bunch of bunch of guys together. Um, some had higher ceilings, some had higher floors. 
Um, so really and truly, to me, it wasn't a surprise that Lewis got picked. Uh, I would have liked to see Minnesota go with a college pitcher, uh, specifically Kyle Wright, but I, I'm not the one making those calls. All right. Well, so you did talk about Hunter Green there, and that's the obviously yes. I'm just running down the first five picks. You know, we have limited time, oh, yeah. so I'm just running down the guys that I know most people are going to look directly at when they go to do their amateur yeah. drafts. Um, so Hunter Green, you know, the pitcher, high school player again from California, he was on a lot of people's boards the number one prospect in the draft, um, including MajorLeagueBaseball.com, and. You know, so the Reds seemingly did really well with this pick. And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about him. Well, um, as a pitcher, he's uh, he's right now a fastball slider guy. Had a had a contact tell me he had him um, potential 70-80 fastball. So we're talking about plus-plus fastball. Um, he had a potential 50 slider, which is an average slider. And um, my, my scouting contact was, was – um, not as high as the mainstream media. Actually, I talked to three scouting contacts that, that thought he was a top ten pick, but but really didn't see him as high as the, the media places saw him because they have a very hard time believing that he'll develop a changeup given the amount of effort that he needs to throw his fastball. Um, and see, here's this, this is the interesting thing. The Reds had to pick him. Um, he was the best talent. The Reds, I I, I I cover the Reds organization for Baseball HQ. There's not a lot of talent in that farm system. They've uh, they need an influx of talent, and Hunter Green is the most talented guy in this draft. Uh, so, uh, one of my fears, and one of the things I didn't bring up earlier, is I, I think before you draft anybody in fantasy, you've got to see how successful a team is at developing that that type of player, and the Reds for the last 25 years, have not done the best job um, developing high school pitching. Um, I mean, no one really does a good job. But the, the last one that they developed was Travis Wood. And, he, you know, maybe not the most successful uh, example. But, I mean, he was a solid pitcher. Um, Homer Bailey had some injuries. But those are the le- only two that you could really say were successful major leaguers since the year 2000. And uh, uh, from talking to a contact that was familiar with them, um, it, it just it, it's it, will this be the guy that changes their fortune? Because uh, there's right now not really uh, anybody in their um, farm system that has star potential. There's a lot of very good players like Nick Sensel, but there's no star potential players, and that's what Hunter Green is to them. Hmm. All right. I uh put a little X next to him. This is his name. <laughs> um so the next guy that was picked number three overall by San Diego, uh Gore McKenzie, uh obviously another high schooler, North Carolina this time. He is uh he's a, a two way player from what I'm reading. Uh so I guess they're they're saying that he's yeah. a pitcher and I don't know. Was he? He'll be a pitcher. He he was drafted as a they, pitcher. And they drafted him um, as a pitcher, Green, but I guess if it doesn't work, yeah, he has Hunter other Green, options. Hunter Green was drafted as a right-handed pitcher, um, but he'll also DH um, this this year. 
to get his back in play because Hunter Green, Hunter Green was the, was the guy that some teams considered as a position player. Um, Mackenzie Gore is a player that um, that is considered just a pitcher. Um, and uh, what makes him what makes him dynamic and what 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 I'm excited about is he has a lit he, he kind of has a litany of pitches from the left side. Um, and you don't normally see that. You usually see fastball, curveball, but he's already kind of uh, developed a changeup, uh, which is which is good. Um, he was actually my top-ranked guy on my board going into Monday, uh, and I think the Padres did a great job uh, of of uh, of getting him. Uh, the Padres organization has done a decent job of late developing high school pitchers and. Uh, um, they've had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, chances recently. Uh, the 2011 draft produced a few guys that, that are in the major leagues right now that that haven't really they they're new to it. Like Joe Ross of the Nationals and and Zach Eflin and I'm missing one guy that's just off my head right now. Um, but the, like that situation where he's going into has the potential to breed him into uh, a better pitcher than, than, than maybe another organization. All right. Um, so the next guy, number four overall, picked by Tampa Bay, Brendan McKay. Uh, first college player, Louisville. You know, he, was, uh, he was announced as a first baseman. I guess they're also saying he could be a left a left handed pitcher pitcher. Yeah. Um you know, do you think he ultimately sticks as a first baseman or are they gonna try him out at pitching as well? He'll he'll most likely be a pitcher. Um as a fantasy owner, he he's he is more valuable to to fantasy owners as a as a left handed pitcher. Um and but maybe to the Rays he might be more valuable as a first baseman. Um the Rays, as we all know, think outside the box, uh, and they may actually try to develop him as both and see see where it goes. Um, I personally think that that he's a high ceiling type uh, or high floor type player at either position. Um, he has the second or third best hit tool of of any any hitter in the draft, um, any college hitter. And uh, as a pitcher, he has a collection of pitches. He has a 90-94 mile per hour fastball, um, a plus 12 to six curve. He's de- he's been um, uh, developing his changeup, and he's he's just added. If anybody watches uh, Louisville as they um, as they try to um, win the World Series, uh, he has developed a cutter, which is in its infancy stages, but it does show some promise as as an effective pitch against uh, right-handed batters. Hmm. So going into an amateur draft, uh, a fantasy draft, with somebody like McKay, I mean, he'll be listed – I'm guessing he'll be listed as a first baseman, though. Like, how do you you attack that? I mean, do you – I mean, what if what if you think you're getting a first baseman and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's a pitcher now. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, honestly, if if uh, you know, I shouldn't really say this in case one of my uh, dynasty league owners is watch is listening to this, but like, 
McKay is kind of the guy that to to, to covet in this draft because of the fact that he can he can do both things and there's there's a very good chance that he's going to uh he'll be a major leaguer. I mean and and probably a solid major leaguer at that. So there's there's not as much risk drafting somebody like Brandon McKay. Um you know, I guess uh if he blows out his elbow, I mean, he's a first baseman. If he sets the world on fire as a pitcher, he's a pitcher. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I had uh, I, I, just some of the some of the news that I was looking at and listening to, you know, going into this draft. And, and I'll be honest, I don't really know any of these guys at all. So it was just like people talking gibberish to me with these names. Oops. <laughs> you there? Am I there? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you cut out completely there for a minute. They're 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 hitters and they're just turning them into pitchers. I mean, is this the norm now? I mean, I I don't I guess I just haven't really paid enough attention to minor drafts, but um like Berger no, you this, had mentioned. So Yeah, this, this is this is not normal for a uh, um for so many dual players, uh, position players to come, you know, to, to to show up. I mean, two of your top five picks were, were rated very high on both ends of the spectrum, and you don't normally see that. Uh, and, you know, Mackenzie Gore got some high, you know, as you were saying, he got some high marks as a hitter as well. But ultimately – Pitching's more valuable to major league teams because, I mean, take the New York Mets, for instance. Before the season, they looked like they had a dominant starting rotation. And then injuries set in. And next thing you know, they have Jacob DeGrom and Zach Wheeler and a bunch of guys nobody's ever heard of. And and that was a team that was going 6-7 deep. So uh, most of these guys like McKay and Green are most valuable as pitchers. So um, it's a good fallback plan, uh, especially for McKay, because he's hit at a high level. Um, And, uh, you know, we kind of saw with somebody who did hit at a high level, like Rick Ankeel, if you're naturally good at something, you're going to figure it out. And uh, McKay and even Green are naturally good at hitting as well. So. If pitching yeah. doesn't work, they have an avenue. Well, get, getting back to pitchers, we'll, we'll jump on number five here. Uh, Kyle Wright, right-handed pitcher out of Vandy. Um, he's a player that was rumored to be, you know, going number one a week ago, and you said that you would mm-hmm. you would have liked to have seen him go with Minnesota. Um, you know, why did he fall to to this fifth slot? I mean, it's you would think one to five is not a horrible free fall, but in an amateur draft, you know, I feel like it is a pretty big drop. And, you know, do you think the teams that passed on him are going to regret it? I I think the, um, the three teams that were ahead of the Braves were going to be picking who they picked anyway. Okay, yeah. so it came down to really the Twins. Um, and see, if the Twins had gone with the – had gone with uh, McKay, which was rumored on draft day. Um, I don't know if Tampa drafts Kyle Wright. I think they would have probably went after Royce Lewis. Um, 
Kyle Wright found himself into a perfect position. Um, he is with his uh, – I, I think he grew up as a Braves fan, but and that's not necessarily why he's in a perfect position. The Braves develop pitchers better than anybody else right now. Uh, I, I scout a lot of pro ball, and I scout a lot of, a lot of Braves prospects because I'm here in Dalton, Georgia. And I will say that they are great at identifying the strengths of their pitchers and, and honing them. And, I, I mean, he's in a perfect situation. He has a ninety mid-90s fastball. I saw him pitch against Texas A&M up in, uh, up in Nashville in March. Uh, but the pitch that just it gets me is the, the hard curve. Uh, the hard curve is, is, is it's just a tremendous pitch, and when when that two seamer is sinking and and running in on right-handed hitters, righties it's virtually impossible for righties to hit him. Um, the the thing that needs to come for him is he needs to shore up his changeup. And in college, you don't really need to use your changeup except against the most elite left-handed hitters. Um, so like, I, I, he needs to tighten that up, but like. Right now, his his for me, his floor is a number three starter, and that's a significant thing to get out of a draft when you can say a floor for a guy is a number three starter. Um, and and his ceiling could be anywhere between a one. I don't know if he's in, he's going to be a dynamic ace, but he could be a one on on a lot of teams, um, all the way to a three starter if he doesn't develop any more from where he's at right now. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, good insight. So what else? So, we got? so uh, well. So I was gonna move on here. So the, you know, we talked about the top five. Those guys are, are clearly like you kind of said, like the top five or the top five. But yeah, who out of the rest of the first round, who's the best talent, and who's the guy in the first round that you kind of want nothing to do with in in fantasy baseball drafts? Okay, the um, you know the best talent we'll we'll say uh, hitter, um, college guy would be uh, uh, Keiston Hora. Um, he got picked ninth by the Brewers. Uh, he has the best hit tool, and uh, you know as I said, I, I look for hit tools. Um, the the college uh, um, the one I wouldn't draft would be um, Jaron Kendall, uh, Vanderbilt. Um, I think he was picked by the Dodgers. The hit tool is a little rough. Uh, a lot of strikeout in his in his uh, bat. The thing is, is he's a he's a superior athlete, and and the, and the most superior college athlete in this draft. He runs. He has some power. He does a lot of different things. But if he can't make contact, uh, you know that that that's a problem. Looking at prep guys, Nick Prado, who got um, got drafted by Kansas City with the 14th pick. Fantastic hit tool, first baseman. Um, you know, kind of is a boring player when you kind of think about it, but like he, he has a, he has potential to be boring and good, uh, if that makes sense. And um, a, a, a higher draft pick that I I kind of he's not the type of guy that I would go after is the Angels number ten pick, uh, Jordan Jordan uh, Adele out of uh, high school in Louisville. Um, he probably grades out in several areas being plus, but the hit tool, um, you know, I, I had a scout tell me he put a 40 hit tool on him. 
And usually they'll hedge their bet at 45, but he put a 40 future hit hit thing. And I said, well, what is he now? And he said negative uh, somewhere between uh, zero and 20. And, you know, the scouting scale is 28. So, um, you know, that that, that was a concern for me. So I would say that, um, you know, especially with any high school player, um, the rawness is, is scary. And then, and then for pitchers, it's it's probably Kyle Wright is, is the is the one pitcher that I would target. Um, um, but another one was the the gentleman the Mets took. Um, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. He was uh, David Peterson, left-handed pitcher out of Oregon. He'll probably move through their system very quick. Um, he's probably a three starter, three four starter, but um, he. he he, he'll be able to transition to pro ball better than anybody else because he already has advanced command for his age. And that's something you look in a pitcher if you're going to target them in uh, fantasy. Okay, so that's all the first-round stuff. What what are um, what are some of the best players from the other rounds that you really like? Hmm. Well, um I, I'll, I'll just kind of cover some of the guys I draft. I, I, I scout it. Um, one of the guys is a very toolsy outfielder that the Braves took in the uh, um, second round named Drew Waters. Uh, he's out of a high school here in Georgia. Um, I'm very, very impressed with his his athletic skill and his, his, his baseball um, knowledge, and and he, he anticipates in the field. Um, his bat is very, very raw. He'd be a guy that I would probably not – um, I'd probably focus on in a later round of your of an amateur draft, but he's a guy that you know he looks like a baseball player. Usually, those guys figure out something. Uh, for pitchers, there's a third rounder. I don't know where he got picked, but uh, Jacob Heatherly, who was a Coleman High School in Alabama. Um, what I liked about him, left-handed pitcher. Had some command, uh, uh, some advanced command. Seemed like he knew the strike zone, knew um, knew where he was throwing the ball. And, you know, you always like those type of guys because um, there's a better chance of them being able to move up the ranks. Um, uh, the lower minors, you don't need command. But once you get to double A and triple A and then, of course, the major leagues, if you can't put a ball where the catcher wants it, yeah, you're gonna have a hard time getting swings and misses. Yeah. Well, you see that even with major league pitchers, yeah. when they have an off night, you know, if they can't command their their stuff, they're they're getting hit. So, what about um, what about some other guys that that you would avoid in in your fantasy drafts from from the other round, later rounds? From the later Anybody rounds. Anybody in particular? Well, you know, um, it, it's harder in um, it's harder to find guys in the later rounds. Um, uh, there's a reason why guys aren't usually first rounders. Um, one of the things that I tell people, the best thing to do after the third round is look at the signing. Okay, if a team is willing to invest in somebody, uh, that's probably a guy that you should be willing to invest in. Um, I, I got a good tip last year on a pitcher named Mason Thompson, who, who's a, a, uh, I think he was maybe a seventh round pick uh, by the Padres. He's, he's pitching in Fort Wayne right now, and I, I got a good tip on him. 
and he you're he was a guy that signed for a higher signing bonus. There's some issues, I believe, with some injuries in high school, and you know they basically bought him out of a good college scholarship. Um, so you try to focus on those guys. Um, there's usually a reason why guys are not getting, you know, are getting under slot deals in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round. Um, there's usually a reason for that. And it, it's probably a good idea to try to avoid those players. Hmm. Okay. That's good information to know. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's all the baseball talk we got. Um, but I, I saw your Twitter and that you are a craft beer fan. Um, yeah. Clearly we like beer as our fa- our site is called Fantasy Six Pack. Um, yes. What's your What's your favorite craft beer if you had to pick one? Well, if I had to pick one, I'm going to pick a Georgia beer. Um, I, there's I, I'm a transplant here. Um, you know, I I think Georgia is a great place. I I probably will never uh, move out of this region unless uh, a job takes me somewhere. Uh, but I could for the rest of my life just drink one beer, and that's uh. Creature Comforts Tropicalia is uh, IPA, um, California style, just a fantastic beer. Um, I can have it any season, and 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 that that that's my judge for a good beer um, is if you can drink it any moment of the year. I will have to look for that one. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think we've seen that one up here. Yeah, it's only it's only I think it's here and I think it might have gone up to North Carolina, but I'm not 100% sure. Um huh. but if you have a chance to get your hands on it, it's it's a phenomenal beer. Um uh, I mean, I I went to First Pitch Arizona last year, um which is um Baseball HQ's uh it's like a winter formal it's a forum in the winter about fantasy baseball. This year it runs November 2nd to the 5th and um, a lot of a lot of people in in in, in the baseball industry are there, and uh, Eno Saris, as you guys know, mm-hmm. you know the beer aficionado. Yeah. He he brought he brought a lot of phenomenal beer. He brought uh, um, that um, that Hill Farms Hill Farm whatever it is uh, um, up in uh, Vermont, um, a bunch of uh, saisons and stuff, and they were just they're just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and uh, you know, you get you get your fantasy fix. You get to learn from all these different experts, and then at nighttime, you get to um, get to try some beer a bunch of guys bring from their parts of the country. Sounds like my kind of party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. November second to fifth, we're going to be at the Double Tree in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, uh, it's tempting. Except the wife would <laughs> not be too pleased about that. <laughs> yeah, we're going on a uh, beer trip for the podcast. Uh, Where to? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. We we would have yeah. to somehow swing that to the to the wives and and kids. We'll be yeah. back. I mean, <laughs> I hear yeah. you guys. I hear you. Anyway, man, uh, so, so that's all we've got. Uh, definitely want to thank you for coming on and schooling us on everything we need to know about some of the MLB players that just got drafted. Um, you know, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you on the uh, interwebs and that kind of good stuff. Yes. 
Um, on Twitter, I'm at C underscore blessing. Uh, my, my work appears mainly at baseballhq.com. That's part of the USA Today Sports Media Network. Um, I'm also uh, occasionally writing for USA Today. Uh, I'll be, be at the Futures game this year in Miami. Uh, oh, nice. Open the, hoping the, to, to, to check out. Uh, I've never been to Miami before and hoping to check out some of the better prospects in uh, baseball. Very cool, man. Nice. Uh, so awesome. pretty, pretty much jealous of that right there. Uh, but <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks again for coming on, and uh, hope to talk to you another time, man. All right, anytime, man. Have a good night. All right, all right thanks Bye. for coming on, man. All right. All right. So that was uh, Chris Blessing from Baseball HQ USA Today, uh, doing a lot cooler stuff than you and I are doing. Uh, so that's for damn sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> super jealous, man. He's like, yeah, yeah, we just go talk baseball every every day, and then we just drink beer. And I like, man, that'd be cool. <laughs> I get this gig. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, hmm. Anyway, so that is all we have for the show. I wasn't gonna go any farther. I figured an hour and change was good enough. So yeah, we will call it quits. And, uh, again, we're taking every other week off. So next week we are off again and back in two weeks with, oh, um, about that, actually, we'll, we'll talk off oh air, God. but I, I, I won't be able to be here on the 28th. So we may switch and do a show next week. I don't know. We'll talk. All right. About it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> anyway, so maybe we will be here next week. Um, but yeah. Anyway, everybody have a good night, and see you all next time. All right, see you.